Before today's episode begins, we are fully aware that there are some audio issues as the episode progresses. We hope that you'll stick around, though, through these audio issues. We will have these improved for future episodes. Thank you for your understanding. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Birds Nest Podcast. I'm Joe Donahue. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Earlier this week, the Eagles closed the book on training camp with a final joint practice between the Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts. This was a joint practice that ended with a lot of controversy, uh, especially surrounding a potential um, bad hit by Indianapolis that was exacerbated by Jason Kelsey going after uh, a member of the Colts who then sparked an entire benches-clearing brawl. It was absolutely insane. The practice actually wound up getting cut short because of the fight that occurred at the very, very end of it. Kelsey uh, did apologize for his role. It was certainly not the best note to end uh, the training camp season on, but regardless, training camp is over. The Eagles have one final preseason game against the Colts on Thursday at 8 o'clock in the evening. And we wanted to take a moment because there is also, with that last game, there is going to be some controversies surrounding who is going to be on that 53-man roster. And there are some pretty significant position battles that are going on here. So... Wanted to take a moment and just really quickly skim through some of these and give you some of the high level on some of the more significant developments. So by far and away, the most significant development is at the quarterback position. Now, we all knew going into this that Jalen Hurts is going to be quarterback number one, and he has had a stellar camp on the whole. He certainly had some troughs as we were getting through the middle of it, but on the whole, he had a really good camp. and. He's really shown, based off of reports that have come out from Eagles training camp, that he is going to be a more consistent quarterback. He's going to have a really good read. We saw a little bit of that with the public practice. We saw a little bit of that, through again, through reports that were coming out of the NovaCare complex. That's certainly something to be very positive about. That's certainly something to take away from this. But the battle was actually occurring farther down on the roster. Before camp, we weren't sure who was going to be QB3. We all, going into camp, assumed that Marcus Mariota was going to be QB2. And then QB3 battle was going to be between Tanner McKee and Ian Book. Well, over the course of camp and over the course of two preseason games, we're reasonably confident at this point that Tanner McKee has won his spot on the roster. Ian Book really hasn't impressed over camp, and Tanner McKee has really done a good job of demonstrating why he was drafted by the Eagles. He was drafted in the sixth round this year, but he did a really good job at demonstrating why he was worthy of the draft pick, and he did a really good job of what I think earning his spot on the team. So we're reasonably confident that that's the case. Coming out of camp, though, here's the biggest question is, okay, so we have and we know that Tanner McKee is going to be on the roster pretty reasonably. It hasn't been officially confirmed. That won't happen until the days following the preseason game when we start going into cut day on the 29th of August. But 
Tanner McKee, for the most part, we can reasonably confident is going to be on the roster. What we don't know is actually where he's going to be on the roster because coming out of camp, there has been speculation that McKee might actually have leapfrogged from Marcus Mariota and taken over the number two spot, and Marcus Mariota would fall to the third string quarterback level. Again, I don't see the Eagles getting rid of Mariota. I think Book is the one who's going to be on the outside looking in on this. I can definitely see where this criticism is coming from as we look at the stats during the preseason. Marcus Mariota has not been as strong of a passing quarterback. Over the course of two preseason games, he has gone 16 for 28. That's a 57.1% completion rating. He's thrown for 144 yards. He has a quarterback rating of 56.3 because he does have one interception. Tanner McKee, on the other hand, he is 20 for 38. That is a slightly less strong completion percentage. That's a 52.6, but he's thrown for 295 yards, including a 35-yard pass and one touchdown. Both have suffered four sacks. McKee's quarterback rating is 87.1. So there is, uh, on the passing game, an edge towards McKee and an edge towards saying, okay, he is good. Mariota has not looked as accurate in the passing game as McKee, and that's certainly something that speaks to the speculation mill about why McKee might make a better second-string quarterback. So here we are. We finished the training camp. We are almost on the precipice of that final preseason game. I don't see a reason why Marcus Mariota would necessarily be QB3. And here's the reason why I think that's the case. Marcus Mariota, unlike Tanner McKee, is a bigger run threat. Tanner McKee does have good second reads when it comes to the passing game. He does a good job of having a sense of when to hand the ball off, when he needs to throw to a receiver, but he doesn't really have a good run game himself. And the way that the Eagles offense is configured right now, McKee is not going to thrive really all that well when he's going up against first string. God forbid something happens to Jalen Hurts. If he comes in as the second-string quarterback, playing with the first-stringers on the Eagles' offense, as well as first-stringers from the opposing team's defense, I don't see a situation in which McKee does well enough to be the second-string quarterback, to be the guy that the Eagles are going to rely upon with such a quarterback-run-heavy offense specifically. So I don't see that being the case. I do see that being the case with Marcus Mariota. So when it comes to who's going to be the second-string quarterback, who's going to be the third-string quarterback, one of the things that you look for isn't necessarily just the playing ability. Those things are very important. You also look at how well does that quarterback fit in with the offense? How much do we have to totally rejigger the offense? How much do we have to totally rework the offense to make the quarterback thrive? And when you're coming in at the second string quarterback level, you don't want to be totally revamping the offense. There were certain exceptions to that. Nick Foles was an example of the exception to the rule when the Eagles went to Super Bowl 52 and won Super Bowl 52. but it took some time for the Eagles to find an offense that 
worked with Nick Foles. And you don't want that at the second string quarterback level. You want somebody who's going to be able to, to a certain extent, plug and play. And from my perspective here, I don't see that being the case with Tanner McKee. You would need to have with McKee a totally revitalized offense, a totally reworked offense to make sure that he is able to thrive. One that isn't so reliant on the quarterback being a run threat. Mariota, on the other hand, he does have that run threat built in. We saw some really good runs from him at the public practice. We saw some decent runs from him during the preseason. When you look at the running statistics for these two quarterbacks, Mariota and McKee, you see pretty straightforward that Mariota is going to be a stronger run threat as well. Again, these are over the course of two preseason games. Marcus Mariota ran five times for 34 yards. That's about an average of 6.8 yards per attempt. He has a longest rush of 14 yards, whereas McKee has only run once over the course of two preseason games for seven yards. Most of the rushing attempts through McKee have come through handing the ball off. McKee, again, he's a better passer, but he doesn't have the same run threat ability that Mariota does and that the Eagles offense so heavily relies on given how incredible Jalen Hurts is on his legs. So I would say at this stage in the game, because of how Mariota is a stronger run threat compared to Tanner McKee, Mariota is probably going to be the person that's going to slot into QB2. The Eagles have not said officially who's going to be that QB2, QB3. The depth chart still lists Mariota as the second string quarterback and still lists McKee and Book fighting for the third string spot. So we'll see what happens on that front. Again, I'm not all that certain that the reactions to Mariota not being as good of a passer, which, again, they are valid criticisms. I'm not convinced that the hype around putting Tanner McKee into quarterback two is more than an overreaction to a couple of bad performances in a couple of preseason games. So... We'll see. The next position I want to take a look at is running back. And I don't want to take a look at running back for the apparent reason, but more so over news that has occurred over the course of the last couple of days. The Eagles right now in the running back room have five contenders for roster spots. I would not be surprised if the Eagles only keep four of the five. And in that case, Trey Sermon is probably looking on the outside of this group. That having been said, the general consensus has been that Rashad Penny hasn't really lived up to the hype over the course of a couple of preseason games. We haven't seen really DeAndre Swift at all over the course of a couple of preseason games. And so now in the wake of some news that broke out of Indianapolis earlier this week where Jonathan Taylor, running back Jonathan Taylor, was given permission to seek a trade. There has been speculation that the Eagles could be one of those teams that goes after Jonathan Taylor. Now, let's take a look at Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, over the course of the 2022 regular season, he ran 192 times for 861 yards. That's about an average of 4.5 yards per attempt. He's had four rushing touchdowns, as well as a longest run of 66 yards. Those are impressive stats. 
He's also a pretty good receiver as well. He had 28 catches for 143 yards. Again, that's 5.1 yards on average. He had a longest reception of 19 yards. He is a decent receiving back, and he is a standout running back on the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Indianapolis is on record saying that they would like to have a first-round draft pick for Jonathan Taylor, which the scuttlebutt around the league, and we saw this over the course of free agency, We've seen this for quite a bit over the course of this offseason. It's a regular criticism. This was something even that was brought up around draft time, whether or not the Eagles would draft B. John Robinson at number 10. No, the Eagles are not drafting B. John Robinson at number 10. The value of a running back in the league today has really, really, really tanked. It is very, very difficult for a running back today to get the kind of contract, the kind of value that people would be expecting a solid player to have just because running back shelf life seems to be really, really light. So Jonathan Taylor has been given permission to seek a trade. The Colts would be looking for a first-round draft pick or a combination of picks that would basically be equivalent to a first-round draft pick. The other big thing is that Jonathan Taylor is in the last year of his rookie contract, and he would be somebody that would be looking to get a new contract and get paid significantly as an investment in him over the course of several years. Do I see the Eagles doing that? Well, with Howie, nothing is out of the possibility, and if the Eagles were to go after somebody like a Jonathan Taylor, I think the Eagles would be able to do something that would somehow benefit the Eagles in that regard. Remember, the Eagles were able to fleece New Orleans out of the first round pick this past draft. That's how the Eagles got into the number 10 spot while also simultaneously winning the NFC Championship game and making a Super Bowl appearance. You never see that happen in the NFL. Somehow Howie was able to pull that off. On the same token, I don't see a scenario, just as I'm looking at this, where Jonathan Taylor is worth what is being commanded of him. He's certainly not worth a first-round pick. He might be worth a couple of later round picks, maybe a couple of second day picks, like a second or a third round pick, Um, maybe a third day pick thrown in there. But the other thing is that at the end of the day, we're really not anticipating that Jonathan Taylor is going to get the kind of money that he would be looking for as well in a new contract. The Eagles had an opportunity to keep Miles Sanders, but Howie repeatedly said that it was one of those decisions that was being made that was a tough decision to make, but it was the decision that was made that the Eagles weren't going to give him the kind of money that he was looking for. So the general consensus in the Eagles and really throughout the NFL, it's very, very difficult for a running back to get a new contract, especially to get one that is significantly high value. I'm not anticipating that Jonathan Taylor is going to get a really large contract. 
if that's what he's looking for, he's certainly not going to get it from the Eagles. The league just in general doesn't value running backs as much. The Eagles have some really good running backs. DeAndre Swift was the second running back in the Detroit Lions last year. He ran 99 times over the 2022 regular season for 542 yards. That's a 5.5 rushing average. His longest was 50 yards. He's got five rushing touchdowns. Receiving-wise, DeAndre Swift was their number six receiver statistically. He had 48 catches for 389 yards. That's an 8.1 average yards per catch. His longest reception was 25 yards. He had three touchdowns. So I'm not convinced that we don't have something in Swift. Gainwell would be another solid candidate if we were looking for an in-house RB1, but DeAndre Swift, the Eagles went out and got him. The Eagles went out and traded for him from the Lions in the draft. We have a really good running back. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Colts have given Jonathan Taylor until Tuesday to find a suitable trade offer. The fact that these trade talks are still ongoing and the Colts are still trying to have Jonathan Taylor find a suitable trade partner after the Eagles had a joint practice with them. The Eagles are actually not one of those teams that are going after somebody like Taylor. Schefter made the point to mention that six teams have expressed interest in Taylor, and Miami Dolphins beat reporter Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald indicated that the Dolphins are, in fact, one of those teams, according to his sources. So this is one of those moments where we can pretty safely rule out the idea that the Eagles are going to be one of those teams that are going after somebody like Taylor. So I think we've got a pretty solid running back room in the guys that we have. We've got a ton of running backs. Sirianni makes it a point every time that the running back core is mentioned to make sure that Trey Sermon's name is mentioned as well. We talked about that on a previous episode. But I don't think there's a ton of fire where the smoke is coming from. It might be something smoldering. And certainly, again, Howie is going to look at every possible option to try and improve the roster that we have. But I don't, again, think that this is something that is going to be worth pursuing, per se. The Eagles don't really need Jonathan Taylor. We've got a core of great backs. We made significant improvement with the departure of Miles Sanders with DeAndre Swift. Rashad Penny is looking forward to demonstrating why he doesn't deserve the injury-prone title. And again, we've got Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, who are strong guys in the backfield as well and who know the system that Sirianni is trying to use. So I don't think that there's going to be a ton of merit to these claims that the Eagles should be going after Jonathan Taylor. And honestly, looking at the statistics from the previous year and looking at the guys that we have, I don't think that there's a ton of merit to them at this point. Taking a look at a few of the other position battles, I want to shine a focus on the defensive end of the football here, and let's take a look at the linebacker position. We're already very familiar with the fact that N'Kobe Dean is probably going to be on the starting position. He is the person who has the green dot. Now, if you don't know what the term green dot means, way, way back in the 2004-2005 timeframe, 
the New England Patriots were caught in their first scandal of the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era. The New England Patriots were hiring a video guy to go and take video of the opposing team's defensive signals. Back at that time, the only radio communication between the sidelines and the field was between the coaching staff and the quarterback. Now, the coaching staff and the quarterback having communication is important, but what about calling plays on the defense? In the NFL, those were still being done using signals, and it was possible to try to steal them like a baseball coach might try to steal signs from the opposing team. One of the rules around the time was while, yes, trying to steal signs and what have you was legal per se, what was not allowed was you were not allowed to take video of that process. That was an explicit ban, and the Patriots actually violated that rule. It was so significant that former U.S. Senator Arlen Specter, who was a notorious Eagles fan, wrote to Commissioner Goodell to ask him what was going on and ask him whether or not this particular Spygate scandal had an impact on Super Bowl 39, which, as we all recall, was the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots won Super Bowl 39, but the scandal broke in such close proximity that there was speculation, certainly by Senator Specter, that it might have impacted the Super Bowl. Regardless of the situation, what happened was during subsequent off seasons, the NFL owners approved a rule that allowed for radio communications to occur on the defensive side of the football. And the person who has the green dot on the back of their helmet on the defensive side of the football is the person who has the radio communications. This year, that's going to be N'Kobe Dean. The question was who was going to be linebacker with him, and there were certainly some speculation. There was certainly a lot of guys that got some reps over the course of the training camp. But one of the things that was pretty important, and one of the things that really turned the table, was the signing of Zach Cunningham and Miles Jack right before the Eagles' public practice earlier this month. Now, Miles Jack has since announced his retirement from the NFL, but Zach Cunningham remains on the team, and Zach Cunningham has gotten a significant number of reps. In fact, according to Eagles beat reporter Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia, the Eagles have given Zach Cunningham all of the first team reps during the joint practice on Tuesday with the Indianapolis Colts, the last practice of training camp. So yes, there are certainly other candidates in that regard. We had Nicholas Morrow certainly as a candidate. Christian Ellis was a candidate. There were other guys who were in the mix for that off-ball linebacker spot. But at this stage in the game, with Zach Cunningham coming in and getting so many reps over the course of the back half of training camp, over the course of several preseason games, and especially getting all of the first team reps during that last practice, it is decently clear that Zach Cunningham is going to be the guy. He's going to be the person who's going to be starting week one against the New England Patriots at that off-ball linebacker position. Things could change. I could be very wrong. I wouldn't be surprised, though, when depth charts start coming out for that first regular season game if we officially see Zach Cunningham slotted into that position. We'll see what winds up happening. Again, I think that Zach Cunningham's going to be one of those guys 
on that starting spot there. The last battle that I want to take a look at is Punter. Now, officially, we can declare the internal battle between Aaron Sipos and Ty Zentner over. Following the Eagles' second preseason game against the Cleveland Browns, the Eagles made a flurry of roster moves. They brought in a few guys really to just kind of add some depth so that way the Eagles could make it through the last preseason game without having to start a ton of starters. They also released a couple of guys. One of the guys they released was Greedy Williams, who there is really no surprise that he was released. He did not have a good camp at all. He really struggled. He was called a lot for penalties. The Eagles brought him in during the free agency period, at the outset of the free agency period, and he really did not do all that great during the training camp period, which was something that was pointed out by multiple beat reporters. So Greedy Williams being released from the team following that second preseason game, really not all that surprising. But the Eagles also released Ty Zentner. Now, during a previous episode, we were talking with CBSSports.com's Jeff Kerr regarding this particular battle, among many other things that occurred during training camp. And one of the things that he pointed out was he would not be surprised if the punter who starts on week one versus New England is not currently on the roster. He did affirm something that I had seen and something that I had said when I was looking at these punters, when I was looking at them over the course of the public practice and as I was hearing about the various reports from the beat reporters, from those guys who are on site every day. Sipos and Zentner were really very, very, very similar. Like they were almost like looking in a mirror punting style-wise. The Eagles brought Zentner in because they thought that he could give Sipos a run for his money, but at the end of the day, Zentner didn't really do a ton to challenge Sipos. Zentner is an undrafted free agent rookie. I'm kind of not all that surprised that this is the kind of thing that happened there. There wasn't really a ton to write home about. So Sipos did win the punter battle, at least between Sipos and Zentner. But, and this is very, very significant, friend of the show, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, put out an article earlier this week that addressed this topic and has Aaron Sipos quoted as saying, you have to prepare for anything. There are plenty of other guys on a list right now working their butts off to get an opportunity. Whether someone is here or not, you still got to go out there and deliver and perform and that's what I plan on doing. But even more significant than that is the headline that Spadaro and the Eagles chose for this particular article. The headline is, Aaron Sipos knows now is not the time to be content. This fuels the speculation that the punter that's going to start week one is not currently on the roster. And Sipos knows that even though it's down to Sipos as the only punter on the roster, which according to Sirianni was a numbers move more so than anything else, Sirianni spoke about this particular topic going into the joint practice with the Colts, saying that it's roster spots, that you need roster spots here and there. So that went into the play, and they had seen enough from Sipos and it just came down to a numbers game with guys that got dinged and the Eagles needing numbers elsewhere. The Eagles made a calculated decision 
they released Zentner, but the punter competition isn't over because Sipas is the only punter on the roster. Cut day is still just a couple of days away. Once cut day happens, a whole lot of players are going to go on waivers. The Eagles will have an opportunity to snag players off of the waiver system. And once they snag those players off of the waiver system, then, well, the Eagles could very well have an upgrade at punter. We have not seen Sipas in a game. We have seen Sipas in the public practice, but we really haven't seen a ton from him in terms of improvement. So this upcoming preseason game is going to be particularly telling, and I, for one, am looking forward to seeing how this pans out. But let me know what you think in the comments below. Who are the players that you are most excited about? What do you think about these controversies? Do you think that McKee should be the second-string quarterback over Mariota? Do you think that the Eagles should go after Jonathan Taylor? Do you think that Zach Cunningham is going to be the off-ball linebacker with N'Kobe Dean? Do you think that the Eagles are good with Sipos, or do you think that the Eagles should be looking elsewhere? Let me know in the comments below, and thank you so much for tuning into the Bird's Nest podcast. You can support the Bird's Nest podcast by liking and subscribing to Bird's Nest Media on YouTube and sharing to your social media pages. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also visit birdsnestmedia.com to find the latest Eagles news and some written articles. And if you feel so inclined to support more endeavors like this one, you can find the link to our Patreon at birdsnestmedia.com, as well as in the description below. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's go Eagles.